0: Hey, pull up a chair, it's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy.
1: Hey, Hackaroos, we are back to talk about the news of the world. I am joined by the one, the only, Admiral Robert Z. Gibbs, my broadcasting partner in crime. Hi, Murphy. Uh, Axelrod is on assignment, but we are here to walk you through what's really going on. We needed a guest today to break through the clutter, to get to the bottom of what's going on with the Democrats, the midterms, Joe Manchin. We're going to talk about the Tories over in the UK a little bit, too. So, Robert, who better... Who better to bring into Freedom Studios here to guide us through the through the mist, the cloud of confusion in American politics, than our guests?
2: So who, who we got? Tell the good people. Let us unveil the one and only Democrat extraordinaire, CNN contributor. And if you could see the video, he is fully clad in his Texas <laughs> Longhorn shirt. The one and only Paul Begala. Welcome. Hey. Welcome, Gibbs Smurf. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> Thank you for long, being long, here. Long
0: time hack, uh, not even first time caller. But.
2: <laughs> no, you're, and definitely a long time hack. And those are uh, those are those are our favorite guests, Murphy. Let's jump right in. Speaking of uh, of of hacks in Washington, um, build back better. I, I don't know what we're up to. I, at some some point, somebody had sent me something that said. Build back, build back, better, better um, because we were doing it a second time. I don't know what we're up to now, Um, but it looks like we're going to get a change in prescription drug prices through letting Medicare negotiate, and we're going to get the Obamacare subsidies that were part of the Recovery Act, but not going to get the the sort of trillion-dollar plan. We're not going to get the $3.5 trillion plan. Paul, where are we? What in the world is going on with Democrats, Joe Manchin? Walk us through it all.
0: Yeah, um, it, it's, a, it's a catastrophe. I'm sorry, but it is. Manchin's yeah, move it is. Uh, is a catastrophe for the Democrats. Uh, I say this as a friend of Manchin's. I love the guy. Uh, uh, I, I've been defending him from the jump, uh, and I still do. I don't want to push him out of the party. God knows. I want right. him there. He's an endangered species. He's a West Virginia Democrat. And we liberals love endangered species. So we want to care and nurture him. But <laughs> for him to, for, to to blow up climate and taxing the rich, I mean, come on. If there's anything all Democrats should stand for, it's saving the planet and taxing the rich. The notion that Jeff Bezos or Elon, Elon Musk can fly their stupid rocket ships into space and they're in some years paying less tax than my... 86, 85 year old, you know, retired mama. That's nuts. And the fact that in, in in my beloved Texas today, it's 110 in Dallas. They're literally people posting YouTube videos, frying eggs on their driveways and we're not doing anything about. So I think it's outrageous. As a personal matter. It was poor timing because I had written a brilliant column for CNN, uh, excoriating the left for whining about Joe Biden for, 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 and that the metaphor I closed with actually came from my son, who was a fishing guide in Alaska for five summers. And he said, Daddy, we're all in the same boat, but the left is punching holes in it and then complaining that Biden is getting them wet. I thought that was perfect. <laughs> well, but if the left was punching holes by whining about this or that, that Biden's not FTR, what Manchin did was a torpedo amidships. <laughs> you know, Admiral Gibbs, it was, so So you pulled back. Not good. It, it, and, you know, we've been there. What you do now is you say, Mr. President, the era of legislation is over. Now it's the era of leadership. Put it away. I think you're right. They'll likely get something on prescription drugs. They'll likely get something on Obamacare subsidies. That is not nothing. That's big. But he's got to start to get ready to build a case for the country in, at the end of his second and his third and his fourth year that says, at first start with Democrats, which, by the way, he will have had made the, made the largest investment in the middle class since FDR. He will make the largest investment in infrastructure since Eisenhower, the first gun safety bill since Clinton. The base expansion of health care since Obama. I mean, what the hell, Democrats? What do you want?
2: Yeah, I have to go on a little rant on this too, Paul. Because no uh, hell. No, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. No, I'm going to bring then you into I'll this. you out I'm, I'm going to bring you <laughs> into this. Gospel of the truth. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but but Paul, just to, to double click a second on the Medicare stuff. Um, this is a this allows Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices through the power of. Tens of millions of people that are buying these drugs, um, and you know, Murphy. Twenty-two years ago, you were a big shot media consultant in uh, a Senate race in Michigan. I was a lowly communications director in the same race in Michigan, and I was thinking about this. Oh, yesterday. I didn't know that was you. That was me. Oh <laughs> God, yeah, I remember I the to, misspellings on the press
1: release. Yeah, see, no, yeah, I wanted
2: communications shop there, Gibbs. This will show you uh, how how you know not charmed my life was up until 2000 is I one of the highlights of my political career was spinning against Murphy in a debate room um that 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 counted for a highlight but 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 22 years ago in that Michigan Senate race in 2000 the whole a huge part of that race is on was on Medicare prescription drugs and we ran on negotiating uh letting Medicare negotiate prices for for drugs and it's happening 22 years later it's happening. And to your point, 30 years uh, or more than almost 30 years since we had gun safety legislation, big investments in infrastructure. And yeah, we're not getting everything. We have 50 senators. And as Paul said, one of them represents a state in West Virginia where George, uh, where uh, Joe Biden got 29% of the vote. We're not going to get everything, but we've gotten a pretty big chunk. Now set us straight, Murphy.
1: Uh well I we're we're stay out of the policy here cuz you know I'm a right-wing nut I want to bring back Hoover but on the <laughs> politics of it from the minute some wayward brown graduate I'm sure took the eco-friendly pen to the recycled yellow legal pad and decided, well, we just got elected here, the Biden team, as the centrist that is not going to be crazy Bernie, is not going to be crazy Trump. What we need to do now is be FDR. So we're going to cook up something huge, something that costs more in real dollars than the Second World War. Oh, we're back to that again. Murphy. Well, no, I'm, just, I'm starting with this to work out to the future because I'm going to applaud this. It's just late, really late, really like lose the house late. <laughs> but, but anyway, so we're going to do and then we're going to call it, we're going to name it after a chain of chiropractor offices. We're going to call it Build Back Better That Nobody Can Understand. They should have been fighting the child care and this is pure politics. Forget about where I am on the policy. You're right. They should have been fighting bumper sticker stuff people get. Child care extension, cost of prescription drugs, higher real wages, you know, stuff that people understand. They didn't. They blew a year. And even the, even if you're for all that stuff, they never had the votes. Instead, Joe Biden got whipped around by a couple of uh, uh, lefties in the House that made him look weak. So here they are. I'll say what our listeners have heard me say for a year or at least eight months. Take the win. Put a bow on it. You know, get a fight. Biden needs a fight. Bagala is right and wise here. It's not a legislative year. It's a damn election year. You need a few sharp sticks. So they're coming to it late, but they might have some. And in a footnote, I like to call good news for America, there's a really, really important bill that the Dems are moving. And I think a bunch of repubs, or at least some, hopefully, will vote for and go to the country, which is the semiconductor measure to help us not have to all learn Chinese in 10 years. So um, that's inching forward. Too. So Biden might have a few wins here to launch a bit of an offense. And then uh, and then I've got a mansion idea but I'll shut up for now and bring that back later cuz it's going to be controversial.
0: Well, we Democrats are not good at math. That's the problem. I <laughs> yeah. I was a liberal arts major. I suck at math. Okay, but I know this. I'm good at history. FDR came into office in 1933. He had 70 senators. Right. We're only 96 because last in Hawaii states. He had 70, 70. Joe has 50. FDR, 1933, had 322 Democrats in the House. 322. Joe has 222. If he didn't have Nancy Pelosi, by the way, he couldn't have passed gas in a men's room in a Taco Bell. Okay. Nancy Pelosi, greatest legislative leader I've ever seen. She gets 218 out of 222 with regularity. She's a genius. And, and honestly, if we'd have had her in the Clinton days, we'd have passed health care Gibbs. You would have had to do it. 20 years later with Obama. Uh, that's how able she is. But the fact that she and and, and, the, and the president have been able to do so much with so little is something Democrats should celebrate rather than white about it.
1: No, I, I agree. And, you know, they had that nice infrastructure win. Nobody's pulled that off in forever. And before right. the audience could even applaud, they were saying, now we're going to build a ladder to the
2: moon. You know, that's right. and they blew their feet off with that no, no, but but we've talked a bit about this, Paul, because I look, I, I'm I'm in violent agreement as well. I think it is time to take the case to the public, uh, talk about what you've done, and quite frankly, set up the what these other guys want to do. They don't want to fix inflation. They don't want to build roads, they don't want to do that stuff, they want to take stuff away from you. Uh and, and I think, you know, I think it is time to go Is as, as you said and, and Murphy said, plant the flag and have the fight. So, if you're the White House, how do you do that? Because one of the things, I mean, I even suggested here either a couple of weeks ago when I was doing something on TV, like put him in, put him at a DNC fundraiser, put him at a state party dinner, and just have him go through what he's done and what he's fighting for and kind of set this thing for Democrats such that there feels a little bit like a rallying cry that can be built around. And maybe that's just the job. That's going to fall to all the different campaigns, but how, how, how would you either as the camp, campaigns or in the white house, how, how do you put all this stuff together? So Democrats can start to
0: use it and be excited. Well, the project is build back Biden, and <laughs> the way a politician in trouble builds back is they begin with their base, by the way, in 1990, 1982, Murphy and I are old enough to remember this, Gibbs. I was Washington, The Washington <laughs> Post. Wait, I think I still have it on my uh, my iPad. That the Washington Post ABC News poll said sixty percent of Americans do not want President Reagan to run at all, not at all. Uh, and and he was losing. Reagan was to Teddy Kennedy. Here it is. Almost six in ten Americans feel Ronald Reagan should not run for a second term as president, according to New Washington Post ABC poll. If he were to run again. again he would be trailing the Democratic candidate if it were Edward Kennedy. He was losing to Teddy Kennedy by nine points. 60% didn't want him to run. That, what happened two years later? He carried 49 states. So, you know, I wouldn't count Joe Biden out, but what do you do? You start with your base. And I, I think you're right about the DNC. I would make a slight thing. Instead of a Democratic fundraiser, I'd go back to the black community. That's who made him president. The heart of the Democratic Party is people of color, African-Americans, Hispanics, Asian Americans, uh, 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 Native Americans, strivers, immigrants, not the pain in the ass white left. I'm sorry. I love those people. And many whites, I guess I am one, but, but <laughs> the people who made Joe Biden president were not assistant professors of aromatherapy, candle making at Wesleyan. They were church ladies in Orangeburg, South Carolina. And he's got to go back to that base. He's got to listen to them. And it, that's, those are, the, that, those are the people who made him president. And so you begin with your base and he's got to re-energize communities of color and then he can build out from there. But if he, if he I worry that, that the, the, too many of the present staff and advisors are too connected to the Twitter left, which is t- too white, too well-educated, too well-off. Maybe, you know, I don't know how well-off they are, but they're too, they're too far out there. And that he's got to get back to the real heart of his party, the people who made him president. And the people, frankly, they don't look like me. They're women and particularly women of color. Yeah, I think that's good advice for him. I, I think he also
1: needs he needs to send a fighting signal. You know, in, in the old Southern pro wrestling thing, you always knew the champ was mad when he pulled the strap down. Okay, now it started. You know, even <laughs> though the, the, the champ had a huge beer gut and was panning badly when the strap came down, you know, it was that was on. Biden needs a line people repeat. He needs to end a speech with something like uh, and I'm not pitching here, but just to give the tone of it, you want to make America great again? Start firing do-nothing Republicans. Start on Election Day. We are, you know, wham, wham, wham. And, oh, my God, the old, the old guy's getting the haymaker ready. There's some fight left in him. And to that, I have an idea. I'm curious what you guys think. And again, this is just politics, and I, I kind of hate to give Socialist Workers Party advice, but until my side rediscovers the Constitution, which we're making improvements, but work to be done. Yeah, you've got some free time, don't you? I would say this. <laughs> so, so Manchin just, you know, put in, uh, I used to, a, a climate change bill. Now, again, I'm kind of with them on policy, but putting that aside, it's time to clobber Manchin. There's no percentage in accommodating mm. him anymore. I, I, I think clobber. I think a big fight on climate change would be good in the suburbs. And it, there was the, it was right to accommodate mansion this year when you're hoping to get something passed. But after this thing coming now, if they can do it, I think he's more useful as a foil. I, well, I think I, 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 I think you, with that. You, you you go at him because the next Senate you're either going to have more votes and be able to get stuff done. Or you're going to lose control and Manchin's irrelevant in voting with the R. So I think he's more useful as a political enemy to pick a climate choi- a choice uh, fight now than he is as a nominal dino Democrat in name only. I, I disagree completely
0: on that. I thought I you was, might. Fire away. I was one of the morons who attacked Dick Shelby, Richard Shelby, when he was a Democratic senator from Alabama. He still yeah, that remembers Demo- that, by the way. Don't, don't Well, bring up he was name. a good man and a good senator and idiots yeah. like me. We're banging on him because he wouldn't vote for Clinton's tax increase. What the hell? Right, and he left the party. You expect a Democrat from Alabama to vote for Clinton's tax increase? That's moronic. That was me, others too, but I have to take that. So I, we helped drive him out of the party. All he did was serve another twenty-five years as a Republican. Good guy then, good guy now. Good senator then, good senator now. I, I do not want to use. Mansion is not the foil. Big oil is the foil. And I, the president. Biden's first budget. Long before this inflation, he wanted to take away the tax subsidies for oil companies. So I I committed research (laughs) and I looked it up. $14.9 billion of your money goes to subsidize big oil every year. $14.9 billion. To put that into perspective, the entire school lunch program is $14.2 billion. It feeds 26.6 million hungry kids every single day. So we spend more money on fat cat oil executives, subsidizing them, and giving them welfare, than we do on every hungry school child in America. And by the way, a hungry third grader never charged me $5 a gallon for gas. So I want Biden to take executive action, take the lash to big oil. And by the way, on the back end, Bernie Sanders is right. We should have a windfall profits tax. So take away their welfare on the front end, take away their windfall profits on the back end, make big oil the enemy. And he can do a ton. He will do a ton on climate through executive action. But I would never attack Joe Manchin. I really wouldn't. I'm as frustrated as any Democrat is with him. But I don't want to drive him out of the party. I want to attack big oil because they're really doing a lot more damage than Manchin. First of
1: all, liberals out there are saying, God, Murphy's right about this. Tell your friends to uh, subscribe to the podcast. We have products to sell. But Gibbs, straighten us out. Which way to go? I say it's time to go after Manchin, the senator from global warming.
2: Yeah, well, I think the issue is certainly right. And I think he he absolutely, I think Biden has to, I think Biden has to really meet the moment here. I think this has been the worry, and I agree with Paul, you can't get over fixated on the the Twitter left, Um, but If you're going to get young people excited about this election and participating in politics as they sit either in the 110-degree heat in Dallas or read about the 105-degree heat in London, uh, which, by the way, look at a map and figure out how much farther north um, London is than just about any place else uh, on the map, and you realize that if it's 104 105 degrees there, things are scary. I I I agree with – I'm a little worried about attacking somebody who – quite frankly, doesn't need a lot of an invitation to go be in a much more popular party in his home state than the one he's currently in. But I think for 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 Joe Biden, whether it's executive action, whether it's declaring war on oil executives, I, I mean, look, it's a twofer right now because declaring war on big oil gets you uh, some skin in the game on uh, not just climate change, but obviously on the gas prices that we're all driving by and seeing. So I do think something that gets people excited, something that shows people you understand the moment we live in, because I think the challenge has, has always been for this White House, at least recently, has been with what the Supreme Court did with abortion. Now with what Joe Manchin and others have done with climate change, you've got a lot of younger voters. You've got a lot of people that had that skin in the game for Joe Biden wondering, okay, now what? And the challenge, of course, is, There isn't a lot, right? You can't just go decree that all this stuff is going to happen, but you can get fired up and fight. You can look like you really, really, really understand how important this is. And I think that all has to get put together. It should get put together as a banner and a rally and cry to get people motivated. There's 16 weeks to go before this election. and, And right now, it just doesn't feel like there's a good direction for democrats to march in i think there's a lot of great campaigns doing a lot of good stuff fetterman in pennsylvania um warnock in georgia they're running good races but boy would sure help if there was a little bit of direction from the top well let me just tell you guys from the heart i love big oil
1: (laughs) i really do this is a cheap attack on great patriots but we're we're, we're we're do the we do the economics podcast sometime and straighten you out. But I get the populist <laughs> politics of it. Bottom line is Biden's got to move his numbers up, right. or you know the 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 people doing good on the ground campaigns are going to have a ten foot wall of water come. And uh, get ready for a Republican House, almost for sure. Senate has come to life. You're right. There's uh, some interesting uh, dynamics based on candidates that the grand old party has chosen. But well, still, to... if, if, if Biden is in the kind of trouble on election day, he's in now, don't be stunned when Democrats are going with the three-point lead thinking, we did it. We did it. The Fetterman machine and candidates that were thought to be dead are being sworn in. We, Begala and I have been around long enough. We've seen it before.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, I think, but you know, I, 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 there's no doubt about that. I think there's a lot of concern. Um, You know, Murphy, you talked about it. I think people are finally catching up to a couple of articles uh, in the paper today, even about um, just real concern that this sort of maybe too smart, too cute by half strategy of, Hey, let's, let's, let's put a few million bucks behind the craziest guy on the Republican side. Uh, You know, and call him too conservative, so that the Republicans all vote for him, and then I guess <laughs> go to church a lot and pray that he doesn't become or that person doesn't become a governor or a senator which is uh which is risky at best,
1: yeah, no, the logic there is like. Okay, the world is united, so let's give Hitler a nuke, and then we'll all be united. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's it's so dangerous and irresponsible. I don't mind that tactic. I've seen it before, and we've talked about it before. But this is a special time. So you really don't want to, like, let the anthrax out of the lab. And I think Pritzker in particular, uh, but also uh, Shapiro in Pennsylvania, uh, are taking a risk in their own interest. It's not in the national interest. All right, hold that thought. We're going to take a short
2: break, and now a word from our sponsors.
1: You know, Gibbs, politics, life, COVID, we're, we're just in a stressful line of work, you and me and many of our friends. And out there in hackaroo land, you all have your own problems too. And one of the ways to do it is take care of your mind. I mean, people don't think about that. It's not like, oh, I sprained my ankle, I'm limping around. What about your mind? What about mental health? How would you take care of your car if you had to keep and drive the same one your entire life? Our brains work hard. So why don't we give them a little help, a little
2: support, a little maintenance? How we care for our minds affects how we experience life, Murphy. It's important to invest time and care into keeping everything healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps. But there's also better help online therapy. And and I'm, I'm going to just really underscore this, Murphy. It's been a tough few years out there. We've lost social contact. We've lost a lot of what brings us together and makes us social people. And and that's been hard. And a lot of people are dealing with it. And we want you to know that there's a great way to get help and that's through BetterHelp. It's online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy.
1: You know, it's great because you can change therapists easily, there's no waiting room, it's just a much more user-friendly experience. You can do it from anywhere as Robert said, video phone, even live chat only. So it's a modern
2: way to do something that's good for just about Everybody, you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com/slash hacks. That's
1: com slash hacks.
2: Take care of yourself.
1: January 6th, the big finish is coming. I'm waiting for the ice show after after the night. We're taking it on tour. It's been effective. I've said from the beginning. I think Trump got his frame bent, and that car's never going to drive the same. I think he's in real trouble in the nomination. Really, uh, but why don't you guys give me your take on the upcoming hearings, and then I want to talk about the intra Republican world a little bit off the hearings. They've been the most effective
0: congressional hearings I've ever seen. Yeah, and I was I a agree. kid when Watergate was going on, uh, and these are more effective. They finally, this is so typical of the Democratic Party. They finally discovered this newfangled thing called television. It's 75 years old. And they finally hired a TV producer to work on one of their hearings. Like they've had professional writers, professional researchers, professional lawyers. They finally have a professional TV producer in there and it shows. They know how to tell a story. They have a a villain and a hero and a victim and tension and every episode ends with a cliffhanger. Liz Cheney, oh my God, is she gifted. She stands up at the end of every one of those hearings. Watch especially, okay, the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes. Yeah, They understand Hollywood. You're a your, your new world, Murph. The opening credits and the opening scene really matters. They start with a car chase and they end with a cliffhanger. Uh, she, she has blown me away. The substance of it too, not just the staging, okay, the substance of it is jaw-dropping and I thought I knew all about it. Every single hearing i'm learning things i did not know they've been phenomenal that's what's been remarkable about them paul you
2: just touched on it is we all sort of thought gosh we've seen this we kind of know what happened that day or the days leading up to it and i think some of us probably i mean i certainly you know crazy kind of blends together right and so <laughs> you know maybe it wasn't easy to pull out but these and i thought too boy there've been a lot of leaks obviously planned leaks but i thought man is this is this like that movie where when you see the preview you've kind of seen the whole movie and i thought that's eh, because it gonna this is it just not going to be as impactful to your point the presentation has been remarkable republicans made the stupidest strategic mistake they could possibly make they just they all walked away right there's no rebuttal because yeah, it's, so it's not dumb. And it's not really even a hearing. It's not five minutes of Benny Thompson asking questions and five minutes of Adam Kinzinger. It's like, hey, Liz, Janie, take an hour and a half. right? Right. And the most compelling witnesses aren't people making accusations that weren't there. They're Trump staffers that were in the room. We're going to see two more of them on Thursday night. Powerful and effective. We've all learned something. And I think, you know, they've done a great job continuing to tease this stuff out. This is the, this is going to be the, the, the apex of their first tranche of hearings. They're still interviewing witnesses. They still want to talk to more people. They're still being stonewalled and want to hear from those folks. So I don't think we have seen or heard the last of the hearings of this committee, but man, they have done a really good job. No, it's the classic
1: boulder in the ocean, and now the waves are going to go a thousand miles. They did a wonderful job of bringing it to life. Mm -hmm. With real people in context, you can understand even the little stuff like Trump allegedly screaming at his agents and all that. It just it's put it in a context, you know, and and normally I say this as a criticism, but I'm going to I'm saying this as a compliment. They translated it into reality show America and Trump has always been a reality show star at heart. He's really a, 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 you know, a real housewife of of Mar-a-Lago. And now now he's had his turn to really kind of like look away villain and, and to, to kind of awkwardly. Well, first of all, a quick bad joke. I understand the only person who's not happy with the hearings is President Biden, who keeps complaining he can't find it on Dumont. OK, that's an old reference for you seniors out there. We used <laughs> to be the TV network a million years ago, black and white. Biden's old. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff Fox. I'm here all week. But let's pivot over to Trump, because there was a story a few days in Politico, which I thought was a real interesting tell. And I think we should put it in the Hacks on Tap time capsule for future generations to study as a potential turning point. It turns out that that Trump fired up the old 757 and did a quick emergency tour of private dinners with pro-Trump mega-donors. Because Trump is afraid that things are slipping. We're hearing all these leaks that he's going to have to announce early. Um, he's worried other, the donor, donors are going to fall off to other people. Uh, I think he's right to be worried. But the very fact he's doing this is a huge sign of weakness. Hmm. You know, you don't move up. If you're the if you're the czar of the Republican Party, the unquestioned Stalin, you don't move up your announcement to show strength. You only do that because you're reacting to the fact that no uh, people think you're fading. You don't fly around and beg donors to stick with you. Donors beg you for a meeting. That's the old dynamic. And it's flipped now. I think it's a huge hmm. sign of weakness for him. And he's he's acting in a defensive way, which is kryptonite for his constructed persona of strength. So. I think, uh, and I think the hearings were a tipping point in that. And now Trump's going to act in a way that will weaken him even more. Does it mean he's out? No. But but the very fact he's doing these kinds of things, which are new
2: for him, is a big tell. Now, the one thing we just want to, uh, it's an important point. If you're part of the Trump organization and you're listening to this, ignore Murphy.
0: <laughs> Do not get
2: in the way of the brilliant October surprise you're planning to thrust donald trump right into the middle of the 2022 elections come on down says bob barker you're the next contestant on the price is right we want you to throw your throw your hat in the ring start the presidential race early make it a, com- a yeah, certifiable shit show. Down. yes yeah. <laughs> exactly
0: yeah the uh the the late great head coach of the university of texas Longhorn football team daryl royal used to say about cockroaches it's not what they carry off from the kitchen that bothers me. It's what they fall into and foul up. And Gibbs is pointing out that the president's going to fall, former president, Mr. Trump, who is not at all an insect. He's a lovely man and a child of God. But he's going to fall into a bunch of races. I, I don't think Mehmet Oz, uh, the, the the senator from Turkey or New Jersey, wherever he's oh,
1: from, come on. Uh, wants,
0: <laughs> wants Trump involved in that race. I, I mean, I don't think, uh, 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 by the way, can I put one thing on for hacks that maybe some of our hacks have not noticed? Iowa. Iowa, I, I did a Zoom fundraiser for Admiral Mike Franken. He's two-star admiral. He is from Lebanon, Iowa, population 48, 11 of whom were in his house. It is one of nine kids in the this biggest family in the smallest town. He goes on to great glory, two-star admiral, serves his country for decades with high, high distinction. He's running for Senate as a Democrat. Now, he's not a left-wing Democrat. He's an Iowa Democrat. He's a normal Democrat. (laughs) And he's running against Chuck Grassley. Chuck Grassley won his first election in 1959 when Elvis wasn't old enough to buy a beer. He's been in office for one-fourth of American history. And he has never lost and he's never come close. The Iowa poll that came out this week, Ann Seltzer, who I think is a great pollster, has has Grassley at 47. 47. 100% AMID, 100% win rate. He's at 47. I think Admiral Franken can get just... Texas, we like double conditionals. He might could sneak up and get this guy. And if Trump weighs in, that's only going to hurt Grassley more. Paid for by Franken for Senate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm out of that business. No, no, I know, I know. It, look, really it, impressive. It, I, I,
1: I see the cracks in that one too. I'm an old Iowa hack. I think yeah. this year... In a normal year, it's an easier thing to do than this year. But there are some. And, you know, again, if I think in the next presidential election, which is always highly informed by the perception of the last presidential election, this whole age thing is coming. to Because you, you add up Pelosi and Schumer, uh, Trump, Biden, Grassley. I mean, Steny Hoyer, you know, you're going to have to Jurassic date these or carbon date these leaders now. I mean, 80 is now like, hey, kid. Uh, So, no, I think I think this whole age thing is coming and this could be an early tremor, even if he loses by, you know, four points. That's still a huge message, I think. Last point on the Trump tour, just because it made me laugh. And I think it'll make you guys laugh, too. There's a vivid little thing in the story. And I wish I could credit whoever wrote it. Um, So Lindsey Graham came along, of course, to like serve drinks on the plane and and, you know, open the crowd uh, to these dinners. And apparently at one of them noted intellectual um john rich who was a c-level country star turned anti-vax chucklehead oh yeah and and rich. Got, yeah yeah right exactly yeah. so sold so some tickets in his day they were good yeah well it, now he's gone to politics yeah, and well. he's a vax hater so there's lindsey graham a very smart erudite guy who i used to knew well before he hit his head and turned into the ultimate opportunist is sitting there arguing with a chimp at length and at high volume, apparently for an interminable amount of time about vaccines. And so I thought the karmic justice there for Lindsey Graham to wind up essentially stuck in the first row of a pro wrestling crowd being screamed at while he was trying to argue science. Uh, is a, is there a certain poetic justice to that. So, Lindsay, you make the bed, you sleep in it.
2: Lindsay'd rather be doing that than what he's going to be doing shortly, which is appearing in front of the Fulton County uh, grand jury, along with what appears to be about half the Republicans in Georgia. Uh, I did certainly not have on my bingo card, uh, Murphy and Bagala, that the leading investigation of the events surrounding the election uh, were going to take place in Fulton County. Uh, but, you know, kudos to, to them for, there's a lot of subpoenas going out, a lot of letters going out saying you're the target of this. Uh, and, and, you know, some big waves I- at a time in which, and I don't think we're really sure. And, and, and look, I get it. Maybe we're not supposed to know, um, what, what's really going on inside the department of justice around this, even as we know, the January 6th committee has, has broken a lot of new ground and, and pulled a lot of stuff, uh, out of the the darkness and into the light.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's a, uh, uh, they need to take it seriously. Those Republicans who are being called. This is a serious matter. The grand jury in, in, Fulton County is, as, uh, the coverage indicates, simply gathering facts. It's a special grand jury, so they can't indict. But if, if they believe that the facts warrant it, the DA can indict. And uh, she seems very serious about that and has brought in special outside counsel to really get to the bottom of it. Um, as, as, uh, I think Jim Comey once said, Lordy, there's tape. Right. The fact that we have the then president of the United States on tape saying, hey, just find me eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty votes. That's all I need. That's uh, uh he's going to have to do a lot of explaining about that.
1: Yeah. As the criminal defense lawyers like to say, well, the problem is you did it. <laughs> so, so we're working on a defense here but uh we, we're
2: working around this whole problem of you're guilty as sin murphy you sound like somebody who might have used that you use that expression once uh <laughs> just before we leave this before you go across the pond where it's 100 and 104 degrees i just as you list all the uh elder statesmen if you will underscore elder let's not forget mitch mcconnell is say it with me boys and girls 80 okay wow. so yeah yeah, but in a knife
1: fight, he's only 61. Yeah. <laughs> Boy's still got yeah, skills. Yeah, I don't but count him out. I, I he's a the very point. effective guy. Yeah, we got a lot of Jurassic leadership there. You know, we have some listeners in the UK, and I'm I'm obsessed with Tory politics. So, if you guys want to give you a quick update on the leadership election there, with Boris resigning, we're in the yes. it's about the
0: crescendo. Johnson put the party in Tory party, and so that's kind of the,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, um, but where's Fox with the uh, yeah? Here we go. Hold on, shot.
2: Murphy. Right before you start, hold on. Let me, Paul. Let me just pour you some tea and. and some crumpets and and we'll just (laughs) we'll just sit back and we'll just we'll gently sip and and listen to brother murphy and and we'll we'll drive on the wrong side of the road well real real um,
1: real short here we'll get through it
2: All right. Yeah, here's the UK
1: report. One is hotter than hell over there, but the campaign is heating up, too, for Tory leader. Now, the way they do this is interesting. It's kind of a hybrid between the kind of race we'd have here for legislative leader, like Speaker of the House, and a primary. The way they do it is a whole bunch of candidates get in. Only the other Tory MPs vote. Is it a secret ballot, Murph,
0: the way Speaker's race is? Yeah,
1: in a secret ballot. And every time they vote, the low finisher drops out. So they started with like seven or eight candidates. They voted this morning. I think it was the fourth round of voting, and they're now down to three. Tomorrow, they pick the top two, only the MPs. Then those top two go to an election like a primary among the 200,000 or so card carrying, dues paying Tory party members throughout the country. So it starts out like a speaker election, and then the final two go to the party membership. So you kind of got to have a big appeal to the grassroots. And an inside appeal, which of course is full of old feuds and dirty deals and tricks and ideological factions, so it's it's not uncomplicated. Meanwhile, the candidate's various supporters all beat the hell out of each other in the newspapers with attack op-eds. The whole thing happens quickly over two weeks until the final choice of two. That takes about six or seven weeks. Seven weeks from now, there'll be a new party leader. So where are we? We're down to the big three candidates as of this morning's election. The front runner all along has been. Rishi Sunak, former chancellor of the East Checker, huge job in cabinet over there, kind of like a super treasury secretary. And he stayed in front, which normally is kind of a curse. You, make, you stay in front till the end when they do you in, which still may happen. He's kind of the moderate Tory, or at least that's the attack on him. And he also has a little of Boris's blood under his fingernails from the coup, which is both a plus and minus. But he stayed in front. The huge axe fight for number two against him is between Penny Mordaunt, who was a uh, defense secretary. She's running as kind of a middle class hero. She was a naval reservist. She's from Portsmouth. We've tweeted out her video. She started with all the buzz. Good on TV. They love her in the grassroots, but she stumbled in the debates. Did not perform up to expectations and they put a huge second look hit on her. Her enemies have for being a lightweight. Boris fired her as defense secretary after like 79 days. So the conventional wisdom is she's stalled out but she's still in second and she gained some votes today. The final third candidate is Liz Truss who's the foreign secretary. She's kind of a war horse, been around a while. She's running as the unite the right candidate because she's more of a hawk attacking uh, Sunak for being closet moderate. A lot of people think she may make it into the final two. Not as telegenic, not as good on her feet, but a, a veteran Paul who knows all the moves. Uh, finally, there's a character named Lord Crudas. What, what a great name. I think he's Judge Drake's third cousin who is pushing for Boris Johnson. He's a big fundraising guy there. Boris Johnson to be inserted into the finals. It shouldn't be an all MP driven choice. So the final two was Boris and the top finisher. Boris still has some traction among the party activists. I doubt that will go anywhere, but there is a Boris factor among the electorate. So there you go. Tomorrow we get the top two. Then we have a few weeks of the primary and we'll let you
2: know who wins and stakes are pretty high. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, what in the world is Murphy droning on about? And, and, and it's, and, and candidly, it's a thought. Paul and I've had in the last 38 seconds as well, but no, but, but, but no, but in all, I'm just kidding, Murphy, in all seriousness. No, you know, th- as Murphy said at the very end, there, kind of bearing the lead. This isn't just the leader of the party. This person's going to be prime minister. This person's going to be, you know, at the G20 at the G7 yeah, nuclear key. It, yeah. Dealing with all the big issues in, in a way, you know, it's kind of remarkable. It's not just, uh, you know, th- they've, they've moved their leader out and they're picking not just a new party leader, but a new prime minister.
0: Exactly. What I don't understand is a lot of things, but one is the Tories finally quit on Johnson. Right. Uh, Some, I think for matters of principle, they really believed he had lied to parliament. Others probably just for politics. He thought they thought maybe he had just won a colossal victory a couple of years ago, but you know, things change. Why to bring it back to our side of the pond where we drive on the proper side of the road, why the hell has it won? Republican member of the House or Senate quit on Trump based on the January 6th stuff. That's new information, just like there's new information about Johnson, about pretty minor stuff compared to sending people with guns to the Capitol to hunt down our vice president. Um, Seriously, what does that say uh, about our country and and our system and frankly, the Republican Party, that there's not a one of them who will stand up the way so many did in Britain and say, no, this guy's not good for the party. He's not good for the country. He's got to go.
1: Well, I think Couple of things. Most of the ones who were on to Trump and not fearful about it, which is a small but elite group, voted on impeachment, voted on the earlier January sixth stuff, and most of them have been drubbed out of Congress by the base voters of the Republican Party. They they had primaries they couldn't win, so they dropped out, the Fred Uptons of the world. So we've already kind of called the, the courage out of the herd, and there are others now and they're all kind of lining up to the the Republican. Game plan of of uh, uh, oh I'm part of the resistance just quietly in my own house you know no need to hit the streets yet I'm waiting for the signal so it's going to be Vichy France after the you know American British tanks go by they're going to come running out with with helmets on all right this is today's the day it's it's disgusting uh, I will say what a Republican member told me and I I only say this with partial sympathy. It's like, it's right, we're all awful and we're cowards and all that kind of stuff. But boy, is it easy for the Dems to lecture us because none of them lose a seat or lose a career by criticizing. And Trump, it's good for them. They, they get votes and money. If there was an evil Democrat, I wonder how brave they'd be. I like to That's think they'd question. be brave, but it is a good question. It's a, it's a perfectly fair
2: question. It, it is a good question. I mean, I think, I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of people post-November try to get on the right side of history. Right, they're yeah. gonna think to themselves, "Okay, the moment for trump is is diminished. uh there's Ron DeSantis, there's others. I'm gonna endorse somebody else and say his time is gone. Kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink." To your point, Murphy, like I, you know, I, 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 I've, I've quietly been against him for a while. Just I haven't told that to anybody. And I, I've I think been organizing it's, behind the scenes. Exactly. I mean, it is interesting. You have seen in this January, these January 6th hearings, you know, that there, there are, you know, Cassie Hutchison had a different lawyer, a, a, a pro Trump lawyer. And ironically now is, uh, using, uh, uh, Jeff Sessions, former chief of staff as a lawyer. Um, there's a lot of interesting irony and all that, but there's no doubt that a lot of, of folks that were in the White House on that day and in, in those days surrounding it have, have decided history is taking account. And there's one chance through this here, through these hearings to get back on the right side of history. And I think we'll see it again Thursday night. There's national security aid uh, that's going to testify. But I I think you're going to see, my guess is, I don't think it'll be a big stampede because to to the larger point, there's no, if you go out and fight Donald Trump right now, we've seen this, Murphy pointed it out, the people that have done that uh, and have gone against him, particularly in their own primaries, are now called former. Uh and and the ones that are kind of keeping their head down and, and whatnot have, have been able to get renominated. And I think unfortunately, uh and this is true for probably both sides, courage isn't really high up on the list when jobs are at stake. Next week in Arizona with the primaries, because we got a
1: lunatic running for governor there who's Trump and Senate strong and secretary of state. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have a lunatic running for governor there who's totally Trump backed. And the regulars have a candidate who's in the hunt. It'll be interesting to watch that Arizona primary, because, again, Trump got his frame bent. It's slow. But we'll see. I don't think the future with these Trump fear
0: factor will be the past. Well, I was trying to think of an analogous time and and, uh, for Democrats. And I, I will say, nobody had the courage to stand up and speak out in my party when Barack Obama wore a tan suit. That was his biggest scandal. That was like the most, it's not the same as saying hang Mike Pence, but it's it's right up there. The truth is, we haven't had anybody like that. Neither have the Republicans. I mean, Nixon was a crook. I think uh, uh, Trump in many ways is even worse. But, um, oh, far worse. I'd take Nixon tomorrow, but go ahead. We haven't had that kind of, uh, uh, crisis in the democratic party i'm not saying we never will but this this should democrats should watch this uh when when trump first started running and i was laughing i thought that was great we should be so lucky i was worried mike about your client jeb bush who's i thought quite formidable well i was wrong and uh uh one day we may have that in the democratic party and i do hope people in my party are watching liz cheney adam kinziger wouldn't it be nice though if one of those big tough Republican senators had the courage of a 25-year-old woman, uh, that, that that young lady who testified? You know, wh- why can't we just have that much courage? As much I agree. As, Look, we're not asking
1: these these folks to land on Anzio Beach here. You know, right. it's really kind of amazing when you step back. And by the way, I think the Obama scandal was when the president of the United States got rolled by the Brazilian minister of sport over the Olympics. But we'll rehash that another time. I, I know Obama blames that on Gibbs and
2: Axelrod. I could say it was I was on Air Force One when we got the the United States oh. has been eliminated from Olympic contention. I'm like, Oh, my God, we've got six hours left in this flight. <laughs> yeah. yeah no no it, it uh a long yeah, day. that was that was uh, uh was a long anyway one my idea to go to copenhagen
1: uh, yeah. the trickster was rolling in his grave amateurs and now a word from our sponsors you know gibsey nobody knows what tomorrow's headlines will be except for the people that will Shape them. If your business wants to make a positive impact for tomorrow, you need to hire great people fast, which means you need Indeed. I mean, we all know we're hearing from our friends, it is hard to hire good people right now in this labor market. So you need an edge,
2: you need an advantage. And that's where Indeed comes in. Because Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates. Wow, 80. 80 whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. Yeah, these
1: features make it so easy because you're busy. Come on, we all work hard, and you can zip right in there, get matched, and anything that has an 80% success rate, that's a good use of your time. No other job site takes care of you like Indeed, because with Indeed, you only have to pay, get this, you only have to pay if an applicant meets your must-have requirements. Indeed puts you in control of what you pay. You set your must-have job requirements into the site. And you only pay for the applications that meet them. There's a transparent flat fee per application. And you can pause your job posting whenever you want. So you find somebody, you want to do the next round of checks, you just pause everything, stop spending money. When you sponsor an Indeed post, it works. You're 4.5 times more likely to get a hire according to Indeed data worldwide.
2: Just like Murphy said, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest 2019. Join the more than 3 million, 3 million M businesses worldwide that use
1: Indeed to hire great talent fast. So how do you get it? You get going right now. You visit indeed.com slash hacks to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash
2: hacks. And indeed's doing something no other job site has done. Now, with Indeed, businesses only pay for quality applications matching the sponsored job description. In the minute we've been blathering, Murphy, 16 hires were made on Indeed, according to their worldwide data. That's right. Go to indeed.com slash hacks. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: So now, Bagala, there's you're gonna cue the music. This is a big honor now that you're multiple guests. We don't have bathrobes we give up, but all you have to say is time for the mailbag. Time for the mailbag. All right, if you have a question for the hacks, you can email it to us at hacksontap at gmail.com, hacksontap at gmail.com. Our fast team of yes people read them and send them to us, and then we pick a couple, and we've got a couple today. But also, one last plug, keep up on that Tory race. You can check it out by getting the Hacks on Tap newsletter with uh, me and Gibbs. We can't afford Axelrod. He's opening a used car lot somewhere in Dallas for big money. But but Gibbs and I grind this thing out. We cover a lot of stuff we don't talk about here. It's fun. It's free. You get it twice a week by email. Go to hacksontap.bulletin.com. Hacksontap.bulletin.com. All right. Question one for Admiral Robert Z. Gibbs. This is from Shore cool name. Pauly Shore? It could be. Knowing our listenership, anything is possible. You would be amazed at, by the way, the Hollywood stars that listen to us. We get mail. Okay, here we go. Is there any scenario where Trump's legal exposure becomes meaningful enough where he steps aside from running in 24 and endorses a candidate like DeSantis, I doubt that, with the thinking that his endorsement would lead DeSantis to grant Trump, oh, I see, a pardon? Once in office, a tricky carom shot that only Gibbs can understand. What do you got?
2: Uh, that sounds like something in a. If you wrote in a movie script, they would laugh you right out of uh, of of the screening or or the the pitch meeting, if you will. They'd say, "Where are the zombies or vampires? We need to see them in
1: Act One." I think ahead.
2: that's. I, I think the the hardest. Part of that scenario. Would I put it past Trump to try to cut a deal for a pardon? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, and I think he may well need one uh, by the time that election rolls around. He's he, he, His idea of jumping in early isn't just because, as Murphy was talking about early. The weakness that he sees in the others, but it's to begin to make anything that happens on the legal front to push it into the filter of politics uh, and to get everybody into their tribal corners. I, and I don't see that Donald Trump is going to get on the DeSantis bandwagon. I think he is going to, if he decides not to run, and I, he's, he's all in, but if he were to decide not to run, Trump would be the guy who would, w- would have everybody come to him. So I do think that's a bit of a far-fetched scenario. Uh, wouldn't put it past Trump to look for a pardon from somebody uh, as his legal threat increases, but I, I don't see that one as,
0: uh, as a likely one. Murphy, anybody want to add to that? If he gets in trouble in the state of Georgia, and I have no idea, honestly, I have no idea if he's got any legal jeopardy in Georgia, but uh, the President of the United States has no power to pardon anybody for a state offense. The federal part pardon power is just that. It's presidential pardon power is just for federal offenses. So if he turns out runs afoul of georgia law the only person that can pardon him is the governor of georgia right now is brian kemp he's of course being challenged by stacy abrams the democrat uh i i don't know that either of them would be that favorably disposed since uh uh, you know stacy is a one of the best democrats in the country and probably unlikely to grant such such a hypothetical pardon and brian kemp who was a strong trump supporter was opposed by Trump. Trump put up right, David exactly. going to run against him. I mean, he's made a lifelong enemy out of Brian Kemp. So I that 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 I actually it's an interesting question, sure, but it doesn't even solve all of Trump's potential potential legal
1: problems. Yeah, I agree with the premise that Trump will try the most corrupt thing possible to get a pardon. <laughs> no doubt about it. It's an atomic clock you can calibrate to it. The problem with DeSantis is Trump and DeSantis reminds me of the old joke about Trump and DeSantis are and a Secret Service agent are in a rowboat surrounded by three sharks, and the Secret Service agent says, I, "I only have two bullets." And Trump orders him to shoot DeSantis twice. You know he hates him, hates him, hates him, hates him because he's stepping into the sun god's light. So, and and DeSantis is out to kill Trump. So I don't whatever whatever sleazy maneuvers Trump has planned, I doubt DeSantis is the the path for him. All right,
2: next question. This is a question for Paul. It comes from Austin. We did not pick this question because it is the <laughs> capital of Texas, but it it does work out that way. Could Joe Biden and Kamala Harris potentially benefit from a weak, progressive primary challenger like AOC? He'd easily beat them and would appear as the more moderate electable choice for the general election. What Ooh. say you? Yeah. Oh, Triangulation, Austin. Paul. I nice. say <laughs> no.
0: I say no. A primary within your own party, a house divided against itself, cannot stand, Lincoln said, and he was a Republican. Uh, I don't like it at all. I I understand. I want to see Biden and Harris occupy the center. I really do. I think that they do need to reassert themselves and reassert the centrist, the the mainstream Democrats. Uh, That's how he won the nomination. The majority of the Democratic Party is moderate. Uh, But a progressive challenger uh, can, I think, can only hurt. Uh, I remember... Well, you know, as we're for Bill Clinton, we're going to take on President George Bush Sr. He got a primary challenge from the far right, extreme right, Pat Buchanan, the extreme right. And you'd think that make Bush look more moderate. It didn't. It just made him look more weak. And Bush dispatched Patrick J. Buchanan, equipped oh, him. But, you know, any, every single vote Pat got came right out of Bush's hide and it made the the poor guy look uh, spent and and weak. So I don't like uh, a, a, a primary challenge against my president, vice president from any faction of the party.
1: Totally agree. I, I remember that Pat Buchanan always said America first in his political speeches, but it's a foreign made car in his driveway. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm flashing hey, back to the old spot. I, I yeah. did. I, we shot that spot in the back of a dealership in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. I paid a guy hundred bucks to have a row of Mercedes there. that We could get the shot. But you're right. And Biden can triangulate. He doesn't need a primary. Right. You know, he can do it right now. In fact, he should have this year. He shouldn't have taken all the guff from the progressives.
2: It would have made him stronger. I agree. An intra-party race is not the ticket. Not at all. All right, Murphy, this comes from Wade. Do you think Biden, assuming he is running, would rather face Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis in 2024? Oh, great question, Wade. I mean, I
1: think probably you could debate this, but I'm firmly on the side of he'd rather face Trump. Trump's a spent force. Trump is old. Biden doesn't need a young, nimble generational change challenger playing the effective populist Republican music without the Trump baggage. So I think he'd rather beat the devil he
2: knows. Yeah, I I don't think there's much debate in this one. And that's not to suggest that Ron DeSantis is some giant killer. It's just... uh, He's we, not we, Trump. Yeah, <laughs> we right. He's he is not uh, swimming in the pool with uh with with two large uh heavy stones strapped to both feet. Uh and right. and and there's no doubt, I mean, you know, we've look, we're we're now conditioned to seeing not so great polls for Joe Biden, really not great approval ratings, and yet either competitive or beating Donald Trump. So I that seems to me to be your answer. I heard an old Republican bull the other day said, Why the hell are we
0: gonna nominate the one guy Biden could beat? Well, that's the thing. Within the party, I think he is still a colossus, and I don't think DeSantis can beat him. Uh, he won the nomination with 45% support of high school-educated whites, which is, you know, I was talking earlier about African-American women being the heart of my party. I think high school-educated whites, especially white men, are the heart of the, the Trump coalition. He got 45. The latest New York Times-Marist poll has him at 58 with that same constituency. So, so he's only gotten stronger with the core and the heart of his coalition. So he's a colossus within the party. But there's another word for him in America, and that is loser. He lost the popular vote to Hillary. He lost the House and the Senate and then the White House. That has not happened since Herbert Hoover. They've right. been 90 years since one president in one term lost the House, the Senate, and the White House. So he's a stone loser in America, even though he is a colossus within his party. Folks, you know why we like to
2: have Paul on? Because if you noticed about... Fifty minutes ago, you know, Murphy makes this joke about wanting to bring Hoover back. And at the very end, Paul comes (laughs) over with this crushing, crushing left hook and crushing left hook and brings down Hoover right there in front of Murphy. Hoover was a patriot and a great American.
1: (laughs) Google him. Learn about Hoover's life. He fed Europe after the war when kids were starving. No Obama. Okay. <laughs> I think it's time to pull the plug before we get in trouble. Mr. Paul Begala, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure as always. Guys, thanks so much. Despite your nasty words for America's heroic big oil <laughs> companies. I love hacking around with y'all. We'll have you on again soon. Hook em horns. All right. See you guys. We'll be back.